You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again from OptionAlpha.com, working every single day to make this the most popular investing podcast offered online and in iTunes because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you guys make smarter trades. So again, thank you so much for tuning in to today. On today's show, number 142, we are going to be going through our EWZ short put option assignment case study. And the reason I want to go back and review this one was because of kind of the commentary that I had around the show last week, show number 141, in the closing bell segment where we talked about the short or the long stock that we were assigned in GLD. And I look at GLD as a very similar example to what actually played out before in our EWZ position. And so I wanted to kind of rewind things here a little bit and go back through that short put option assignment case study and walk through what happened because it was multiple iron butterflies, just like what we did with GLD recently. And we got assigned on one of them. We ended up doing a lot of movement around these things, but ultimately being patient and consistent we ended up winning out the day and we ended up turning what would have been a multi hundred dollar loser into about $150 winner. So it was a nice trade and good case study. As always, if you guys want to see the actual video version of this, when we closed out of the positions and walk through it on the video, you can get to that by going to the website and the show notes page at optionalpha.com slash show 142. Again, since we record all of these videos for pro members, we'll have the videos up there that we had sent out the days that we got assigned on everything and the day that we ended up closing everything. So you can see proof that we are actually doing what we say we are doing. And that's one of the coolest things I think about Option Alpha is that you know nobody else out there records and shows as many trades on a more consistent basis as we do. So in today's podcast, like I said, going through this, I'm going to walk through the entire trade sequence from start to finish. And it did take a couple months for this whole thing to play out. In fact, it took almost two months now that I'm looking at it, almost two months for this entire you know process to play out, which is kind of crazy that that happens. But you know, sometimes it does take a little bit of time and a little bit of patience. And that's, I think, a challenge for many people who are trading is having the ability to stick with a position and to not give in to the temptation or the fear necessarily to sell that position early or get out of that position early and stay with the mechanics. And I think that's truly, you know, one of the coolest things about options trading. So let's rewind time here. Let's go back all the way to May of 2018. So we're recording the show in August of 2018, but let's go back in May of 2018 to May 21st. And that's when we first sold our initial position in EWZ. Now, what's interesting about this position is that our initial position in EWZ was as EWZ had been moving off of the highs. So if you go back to a stock chart of EWZ, you'll notice that basically in March of 2018, EWZ peaked and started this long trend of moving consecutively months, uh, consecutive months lower. And it didn't really bottom until, as you'll see here in the show, uh, around like the end of June. So in late May, May 21st, we ended up getting into our initial position in EWZ. So implied volatility was spiking a little bit as EWZ was falling. And we decided to sell a 38 centered iron butterfly in EWZ. So we sold the 38 calls, we sold the 38 puts, and then we bought options out on either end. 
Now we did this with a set of just two contracts. And as we keep going through this podcast, everything that we did was a series of two contracts. So two iron butterflies, two, you know, close two orders on closing, et cetera, et cetera. Everything was done, same position size. We basically just took what we talk about all the time is taking our position size that we we're targeting, in our case, about, you know, nine or so or six or eight contracts. We took that position size, we broke it down into smaller chunks that we could enter over time. So the initial position in EWZ, like I said, was just simply two contracts selling the Iron Butterfly at the 38 strike for a $323 credit. Now, again, all this is listed on the show notes page, but I'm just going over it here with you guys. Now, the second position that we got into in EWZ was selling the straddle, I'm sorry, the Iron Butterfly again at the 36 strike a couple days later. So what happened is, is that as EWZ was continuing to move lower, our plan the entire time, as is always, is to ladder into positions, spread our trade entry out over time. And so a couple days later on 529, just before the end of May, we got into our second position, another Iron Butterfly, now selling the 36 Iron Butterfly centered uh, position in EWZ for a $310 credit. So first position, selling the 38 centered iron butterfly. EWZ continues to move lower. So guess what? We go right back around. We sell another position, averaging down with the market, moving our entry down as the stock continues to move down and sell the 36 centered iron butterfly. Now, fast forward now a couple of days and EWZ has really accelerated the downside move. Okay. So on the 29th, When we got into our second position, EWZ had gapped lower. So naturally, a lot of people just throw their hands up and they stop trading at this point because now it's gapping. Well, a couple days later, as we got into our last position in EWZ, EWZ had moved down even further. And by 6.13, which is June 13th, we entered into our third position in EWZ, which was selling now the new Iron Butterfly centered at the 34 strikes. So originally the 38s, then we sold the 36s. Now we're selling the 34s, two positions the entire time. This has been the plan the whole time. When you get massive movements like this, you spread your trade out over different strikes, over different entries so that you can average down with the market. It would have been maybe a different story completely in our P&L if we had had all six positions at the 38 strike and then we have this massive loss that we're dealing with early in the expiration cycle. So now we've got these three positions, 34, 36, 38 center iron butterflies. Now what do we do? Well, now we wait. So from 613, we start waiting and we know that we've got some time between now and basically July expiration to let some of these things kind of come back around. The market is heading down really fast. We're starting to see things get a little bit overextended. And so the process from here would be generally just to wait until we get closer to expiration, give the position some time to work the, you know, work itself out, the probability sometimes to work itself out. But we get cut off early in this process and we get assigned stock early in the expiration process on 628. So on 628, we get an assignment of our 38 short put options. Remember, this is the original, the very first iron butterfly that we sold. We get assigned the 38 short puts. Now, truly, this is where things go a little bit different depending on how you look at it. Many people at this point truly threw up their hands and gave up. And I have all the emails to prove it. And I'm going to like kind of paraphrase and read from some of these emails that people send me because I love seeing this stuff. It's like truly to me a contrarian indicator. 
But at this point, a lot of people started freaking out and throwing their hands up, right? They've got three positions that are now deep in the money because at this point on the 28th and the 27th, EWZ was down, now trading down around 30, 31. So it's, you know, six, $8 in the money in many cases. And now, you know, to really kick us when we're down, we get assigned stock. So now we're long 200 shares of EWZ at a strike price of $38 per share. So this is where a lot of people, again, just kind of give up and say, I don't even know how to deal with this. I'm just going to close out the position. Now, I want to read to you what my excerpt was the day that we got assigned stock, literally the day that we got assigned stock so that you can understand what my thought process was in there. And then I'm going to read to you some of the responses that I got. Now, of course, this was not the response from everybody. But a decent handful of responses sounded like the ones I'm going to read. So, okay, so first, here's the excerpt from 628 when we got assigned stock in EWZ. And I said, looks like we missed being assigned yesterday, but we got assigned today on two short 38 put options for July. As always, deep in the money short puts behave very similar to long stocks. So the impact is not huge. Now, I'm going to pause right now from that and just say that is 100% true is that when you have a deep in the money option, what happens is, is that option starts acting more and more like stock anyway. So the fact that we got a sign stock really doesn't change how the position was acting. It's now changed. It's now stock versus being in the money options. Okay. So getting back to the email now, I said, we decided that we are going to hold the stock given that the technicals suggest EWZ is oversold. We will also hold the remaining contracts that we were not assigned. Now, if you were not assigned, then you might want to continue holding as are we. And I always say this in the alerts. I'm just so that was the end of the the quote on the alert. I always say this in the alerts. If I get assigned stock and I'm holding stock, if you didn't get assigned, you can still continue to hold it because for all intents and purposes, again, short in the money options that are deep in the money are going to act very much like stock. Now, I want to take some bits and pieces from this. And again, I've got videos that show that night that we were assigned. My thought process around this is very similar to my thought process in GLD right now. And anytime that really I get assigned options, the first thing that I end up doing is I look at the technicals and I ask myself, okay, am I assigned long stock at the bottom of a big move lower? And if I am, are the technicals now suggesting that maybe it's oversold? And at that exact moment in time that we were assigned, the technicals were suggesting that EWZ was oversold. Now, I didn't know if that was going to be the absolute low. If you fast forward time now, that ended up being literally the low point in EWZ for the next two months. Now, again, I didn't know that. I'm not saying that I knew that, but I'm saying I trusted that the technicals that we use, that we backtested ad nausea are using are the best signals that we can use to determine some of these factors. I'm not using emotion. I'm not saying, oh, you're right, all the stuff that's happening with Brazil. I don't even know what was happening at that time with Brazil or if anything was happening. You know, all that stuff is playing into it. No, you got to be very mechanical, very systematic about it. Remove your emotions. Just look at the facts. The facts of the matter were we had a laddered position that wasn't too bad. We took in a lot of credits. 323 on the initial position. Second position, $310. Third position, $264. We took in a lot of credits. EWZ was at the bottom of about a four and a half month move lower. And I know for sure things do not always go up and down in a straight line. Markets are cyclical. We have cyclicality in market movements. 
And even more so than that, we were looking at technical signals that were suggesting EWZ was oversold and could be in a good position to either bounce or trade sideways. So again, on 628, I decide to hold the long stock. Now, that's the only thing that happened in these three iron butterflies so far. I haven't adjusted anything. We didn't move down. We didn't close out anything. We just literally kept everything as is. We got assigned stock and said, okay, we're going to deal with this. We're going to be assigned stock. It's effectively acting like the same position. Let's see what happens. Because at that point, we were assigned super early in the in the expiration cycle. There was still a lot of time between then and expiration, almost three and a half weeks between then and expiration in, in July. So we had the luxury of kind of holding and waiting to see what was going to happen with the rest of the positions. Now, here are some of the emails that I got in response to this. And again, the only reason I bring these up is because to me, after 10 years of doing this, I see that this becomes literally to me, a contrarian indicator. When I start to see some of these emails come through, I'm like, oh yeah, we got this. Like this, you know, and I don't tell people this. I don't say it in the emails and comments. It's just what I think to myself is like, you know, when people do this, they're just freaking out. This is the natural process of fear just kind of boiling to the surface and people not understanding the mechanics of position sizing and market cyclicality and all of this stuff. So when I looked at the emails, some of the emails I got were literally the following. I'm going to quote some of them. We've been assigned for a reason. Look at the D chart. And I'm just paraphrasing because this is a family-friendly podcast. You can insert the bleep there if you want, but look at the D chart. Another one was, I heard you were blind in one eye. You must be blind in both because this thing is heading lower. Now, the truth is I actually am blind in one eye. That's a fun fact about Kirk. I was born blind in my left eye. So this person was, I guess, you know, really trying to really stab me there and say like, oh, you know, you're blind in both eyes. Can't you see this thing's moving lower? All right. So here's a third one I got. By the way, this one is in all caps, which if you guys know me and you've been around me long enough, you know that truly the worst thing I can think of is somebody who sends an email in all caps. Like we're all professionals. We're all adults here. No need for all caps and all exclamation points. Drives me banana sandwich when I see this. But he said, I bet you won't reply to this because why on earth are we holding this ETF? It's going to 25 or some serious level lower. Many analysts are reporting, right? That's true. That's what he said, all caps. And of course I did reply and I'm like, so who are these analysts? Of course, which I could not find any of these analysts who said $25 was the price target, right? But this is just to me, like this is proof of overreaction, overly emotional kind of rhetoric that we hear. And I'm not faulting anyone. I reply to all these and I'm trying to say like, why do you think that? I'm not, you know, mad at people for doing this. I'm saying, why do you think that? Like, why don't you look at the technicals? Why can't this thing move up, right? Here's an example of how a similar move happened before in the past, right? I try to point things out to help But I'm using this now on the podcast to show you the psychology of a lot of people during this time period. Here's the fourth one, which is like always my favorite. This is like the boiling point and like over exaggeration of everything. But the fourth one here was, I can't believe I paid $99 to get this advice where you hold positions that have no support, no indication of reversing, nothing. Please cancel my membership. Now, of course, at that point, I'd say, look, if you want to cancel your membership, fine. That's totally good. I cancel memberships. You know, if you want to cancel them, totally good. I'm fine with that. I always do try to say, look, I know you're frustrated, but you got to hold through it. Again, here's a case study. Here's a podcast. Here's a whatever, right? But it's interesting, again, to me to see the logic in all this. And do you guys understand, these emails were coming to me the day that EWZ had a two and a half month bottom. So the day that everyone said, there's no support, no indication of reversing, analysts are saying it's going to 25. Are you blind that the chart's going down? Have you looked at the bleep chart? Everyone that's saying this right now is saying it literally at the bottom of the market, right? And this is a handful. I have 
35 emails from that day that I was looking to use for this thing of all the same commentary, just not as colorful as the ones I chose, but people that really thought that this thing was falling through the floor. And it's just, it's fascinating to me that that can happen truly at the bottom of a market. And the key here is that we never know where it's going to go, right? And so you trust the indicators they use and you position size accordingly. So if the indicators are wrong, you don't get killed, okay? So as we fast forward through this entire process and through all of these trades that we're doing, you know, like all the assignment, we continue to hold the stock. And now here's what happens. The day after we get assigned, EWZ starts rallying and it starts rallying slowly back, slowly back, slowly back until 7-6, which is... July 6th, in which case it rallied back near 34 and we were able to then close our third position that we got into for a profit. So we bought back our third iron butterfly, the 34 centered one that we had sold for 264. We bought that back for $196 and closed one of the positions out at a profit. Now at this point, again, we're still holding our 36 centered iron butterfly and we're still holding parts of our 34, our 38 centered iron butterfly and long stock. Okay. So we have not removed any of this stuff from our portfolio. All right. So now we're continuing to hold all these positions and now we fast forward just a little bit more and now we get to July 13th and July 13th comes around and now EWZ has rallied all the way back to about 35. So now it's starting to really, really rally much, much higher from here, right? And so at this point, we're now able to close our second iron butterfly that we entered into, the 36 centered iron butterfly for a $225 credit, our $225 debit. So we sold it for 310, we bought it back for 225. Now we've closed two of the three that we've entered. And this is the beauty of doing laddered entries is that you can close these independently of one another. You don't have to lump them all together. So as the market moved down, we entered positions on the way down and we got a chance as the market rebounded and had some cyclicality to slowly start removing each of those positions one by one as they started hitting, you know, close to their profit targets. So now we're into are closed out of our other two iron butterflies. The only position we have left now is the original 38 centered parts of the iron butterfly and our long stock that we were assigned at 38. Remember, we got assigned stock at our 38, but we had a credit of $323. So we sold those options for $323 originally. Now we still keep that credit. We haven't bought back any option contracts. We were just assigned contracts. So what you do to calculate where your break-even point is, is you take your $323 credit and you subtract the price of the stock that you were assigned, which is 38. So for us, our break-even, the price we needed to see EWZ rise above was at least 3477. So we need to see EWZ rise above that because that was our lower end break-even point on our iron butterfly. Well, guess what? A couple days later, we ended up selling back those shares that we were assigned on 720 when the stock price reached 3552. So literally about two months after we entered the original position, a long time waiting, we ended up selling back the original shares that we were assigned at the bottom of the move in EWZ. We sold back those shares for 3552, which is above our break-even point, and turned that final iron butterfly position into a winner. The key with this whole thing that we just went through, and hopefully you're seeing this as we go through the podcast, 
is that in this instance, EWZ never really gave us a great opportunity from the start. It was really fighting tooth and nail to be patient enough to let this thing come back around. You know, we entered three positions right in a row and all three were absolutely total dogs. They were terrible. They went totally the wrong way. EWZ basically crashed during this time period. And what saved us and saved these positions was being mechanical about spreading out our trades, was trusting some of the technicals that we have used before, was keeping our position size small so that we don't get knocked out. We only had two contracts on each of these iron butterflies, 100% manageable for my portfolio size. And then finally, just being patient, just being patient enough to understand that things never go straight up and straight down. Like, I don't know how many times we have to learn this as a human species in the financial markets, but do we honestly always believe that this time is different? It's almost never different. We saw this just last year in December with Bitcoin. Do we honestly believe at that time that Bitcoin was different? That a thing that was digital gold or digital currency came out of nowhere and went from you know $1,000 a coin to $20,000 a coin in a matter of days? Did we truly believe that that type of movement is sustainable? It happens in every market, in every discipline, in every financial security. Things do not move one directional without some sort of cyclicality. And so as options traders, we have the insane luxury of having the ability to control our position size, control our risk, and be patient enough for that cyclicality to play out. And EWZ is a great example of this. This movement that we had in EWZ is just a phenomenal example, once again, of why mechanical, numbers-driven, data-driven trading is so superior to all other forms of trading right now. And hopefully that was made clear in this podcast because I really want you guys to take a look at this and kind of go back through the chart and watch, you know, what happens and ask yourself, you know, what would I have done in that situation? And what's funny about this, and like I said, what, you know, prompted me to kind of make this podcast this week is what I talked about last week with gold. And it's not whether gold works out or not, because the jury's still out. I don't know if it's going to work out or not, but it's the same setup as EWZ. I mean, it really is long, continue, move lower, technical buy signal. We're holding stock. Everyone's telling us we're crazy. All the analysts are saying gold's going, you know, to zero. I mean, it's all the same setup that I've seen before. So for me, it's very easy to say, you know what? I'm just going to play the numbers. I'm going to play the mechanics of what I know is going to work out in the long term. Whether this works out or whether it doesn't, this is the right decision is to play the mechanics and hold this long stock and hope for a rebound or look for a rebound in this thing. So again, I hopefully you guys enjoy this. If you guys want to go through again some of the numbers, you can head on over to optionalpha.com slash show 142. That's where all the show notes are for this one. Again, optionalpha.com slash show 142. All right, so let's get into the trader Q&A segment. And now our favorite part of the show, Trader Q&A, where we ask a question from one of our current members about options trading. Got a question you'd like to ask Kirk to answer live on the air? Just head on over to optionalpha.com forward slash ask and hit the record button to leave a message. That's optionalpha.com forward slash ask. And now here's today's question. Hello, Kirk. Uh, my name is Joseph, and I really enjoy your podcast series. In a recent episode, you spoke about uh, one of the clients that you coached that had a seven-figure account and how she was able to do some pretty extraordinary amount of uh, income per year. And I, I found that really interesting to hear. 
Uh, I myself have a six-figure account and I aspire to have a seven-figure account someday. And I thought that maybe um, you could share some stories uh, about uh, clients that you've had or friends or people that you've seen that have large accounts and what they're able to achieve. I'm sure each person has their own strategy and goals in life, but I thought these stories could be quite uh, inspirational and kind of uh, for for us that, that have smaller accounts that dream of someday achieving our, our life goals of a, a larger account and being able to uh, do an extraordinary amount of income and, and uh, uh, live that lifestyle. So something to think about. I, I'm sure maybe your other, other listeners might be interested in it too. Thank you, Kurt. All right. So Joseph, thank you so much for submitting the question. You know, this question is a little bit interesting because it's not really a question so much as, as a request to share stories. And I don't think I'll share any particular stories of people, but look, there's a lot of people that are part of this community or a lot of options trading communities that have significant accounts. I mean, and we're not talking, you know, people that were ex-CEOs and ex-corporate executives. We're talking about regular people like me and you who have just diligently saved, have made smart decisions, you know, have bought and sold property maybe, or bought and sold a small business like that have made really good decisions that have now built up a nice nest egg. And when I coach some of these people, what I love about most people who have money in the bank, and I think that that's a different mentality than people who don't, is that people who have money in the bank really truly treat every dollar like it's their last dollar. And that's a different mentality than many people who start off with very little. And although you might not think it, I see it from my end is that, you know, somebody who's got a lot of money, they care way more about position sizing, risk management, you know, portfolio neutrality, all the things that really do matter. Somebody who's starting off with five or, you know, $10,000 to them, it's more like a hobby. And I hear it even in the comments when people email me and they'll say, you know, I'm going to start with $10,000 and see where it goes, or I'm going to try it out with $10,000 and see where it goes. Because to them, psychologically, $10,000 is not that much money, or it's at least it's fun money to them to, let's see if this thing works out. But I would tell you that some of the stories of people who have seven figure plus accounts and what they can do, they're totally focused on risk management first. And that allows them not to lose a bunch of money to then set them back. You know, we've heard the, all the stories before, but the, the classic one is when you lose 50%, you can't make 50% to get back to where you were. When you lose 50% of your account, you got to make 100%. And what I think most people who have a lot of money understand is they understand the importance of not losing their money not going through a major drawdown because then it really sets them back, not only financially, but timeline-wise to get back up to where they need to be. And that I think is a major difference. And these people are just regular people. There's nothing different about these people other than their mindset. You have to have that mental financial toughness, I think, to allow money to come your way. And many people lack that. I think many people start off in this business like a hobby, like a you know, a weekend you know kind of thing they're going to do on the side. And, and it really can't be like that all the time. It has to be something that you put a lot of effort into and, and try to understand. So hopefully this helps out. But like I said, if you guys have any other questions, please let us know. Head on over to optionalpha.com slash ask. Click the big red button in the middle of the screen and leave me a private voicemail like Joseph did. And let's get into the closing bell segment where we're going to talk about some trades that we're doing right now. Now, 
the closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward. All right, so today's closing bell segment, we are surprise, surprise, going to be talking about EWZ. And the reason I want to talk about this is because one, I want to tell you, we're still going to be trading securities that we had a tough time trading, right? Now, EWZ worked out for us the other month, but we're still going to get back to the well and continue to trade it. It's very liquid. It's a great, you know, security to trade, gives us exposure to different markets and diversifies our portfolio. So, we're going to continue to trade EWZ. Now, we've already made one trade in EWZ. At the time I'm doing this podcast, we already did one laddered entry, and now we're selling strangles right off the bat in EWZ. So implied volatility is a little bit lower. Trade optimizer-wise, it's better to sell some strangles right now, so that's what we did. Our first set of strangles in EWZ was selling the 37 calls and selling the 30 puts. Now, we did this when EWZ was trading around 34. So we sold the 37 calls and about the 30 puts. So about, you know, three-ish dollars out on either end, three, four dollars out on either end. Well, since we've entered into that trade, guess what? EWZ has continued to move lower. No surprise, very similar to what happened before in the podcast we were talking about earlier. We entered into our first set of strangles in EWZ, a set of three. Now we're entering into our another set, a laddered set of strangles, another set of three contracts, because guess what? EWZ has now moved a dollar and a half lower. So now we're going to move our strikes another dollar lower. So today's trade is selling the 29 puts, which is $1 lower than our original entry and selling the 36 calls, which is again, $1 lower than our original entry for an overall credit of 70 cents. Again, doing another three contracts. Now for us, we've got room in our portfolio to do another laddered set of entries. And that's what we would plan on doing if EWZ continues lower from here. So if we still find that EWZ is moving lower, guess what? We're just going to keep selling laddered entries. And from there, then we can adjust and roll and hedge as we get closer to expiration. But I think it was cool to see this today because we talked about EWZ and now we're doing it all over again and we're starting to get challenged on one side. It's starting to move against us. But that shouldn't phase you. You should stay mechanical, stay very systematic, just adjust your strike prices down so that your new position is centered over wherever the stock is trading. So if the stock continues to go down by a dollar, adjust your new strikes down by a dollar. If the stock goes up by $2, adjust your new strikes up by $2. It's just that simple. It's just the mechanics of it that people get bogged down in is, you know, I get emails like, well, why now? Why this? Well, it's starting to move. And so we wanted to spread our trade out over time. Now it's moving. That gives us an opportunity to spread that trade out, to average into lower strikes on average or lower break evens to help compensate for the fact that EWZ is moving forward or moving lower. So as always, hopefully this helps out. If you guys want to get these trade alerts that we send out to our members, just go ahead and sign up to optionalpha.com at the pro or elite level. We always send out the alerts that we do, and then we do a nightly video update on all the trades that we do and kind of go through commentary. Very similar to what we did today in the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. All right, so I truly hope you guys enjoyed today's show. And as always, got at least one thing out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter more profitable trader and investor. If you want to get any more resources or check out the show notes, head on over to optionalpha.com, show 142. Again, that's just the number 142, optionalpha.com slash show 142. And until next time, 
happy trading.